Hi, I'm Johnny Reinhardt. And I'm Megan Francis. And you're listening to the Meet the Makers podcast. In this show, we talk to the masters who create beer, wine, and spirits in Southwest Michigan to hear what inspires their craft. It's all part of the Makers Trail. You can learn all about the makers that are part of the Makers Trail at makerstrail.org and plan your route with the map available right at their website, makerstrail.org. And now it's time to meet the makers. Our guest today on this episode of Meet the Makers is Dave Miller from White Pine Winery. We're here in the beautiful tasting room here in downtown St. Joe. Thanks for having us here. Hey, my pleasure. Welcome. This is an absolutely great place, uh, wonderful tasting room. Um, how did White Pine Winery, and more importantly, how did you get all started with this? Well, I've been in the business for a long time in Michigan. Uh, started out at Michigan State years ago working on uh, advanced degree, viticulture degree, um, and I ended up being a technician in a research program there for uh, a number of years. And after getting my doctorate, um, I took a job with St. Julian wow. to help them improve their whole operation, basically, from the vineyard up. Um, I was there for 13 years, from 1997 to 2010. I uh, was their VP of winemaking. And we made a lot of good changes, but uh, after that length of time, I, I felt like I'd done what I went there to do. It was time for my next uh, adventure in life. So I started White Pine 20 and 10 to focus on um, just a few wines, grapes that I knew did well in this area, and maybe to explore some site variety, yeah. uh, things that we see in other countries, other wine regions, and uh, to do my own thing and make my own style wines. So do people ever call you Dr. Dave? Believe it or not, they do. <laughs> yeah, it kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does, for sure. And that's the thing about, you know, when uh, we meet winemakers and uh, all these people that are in either wine or maybe they're brewing beer, they seem to be like mad scientists. I mean, they have so much knowledge behind uh, not just, okay, well, I'm going to take these grapes, I'm going to throw it in this bucket, and hopefully it'll turn out to be wine. There's so much research from, uh, you know, before the grape even comes off the vine, when you're planting it the science behind there uh, starts already. Right, yeah. I, I teach a winemaking class at Michigan State, and it's a 400-level chemistry class, and yeah. there's a lot of prerequisites. Of. You've got to know science. If you want to do a good job in wine, there's microbiology, there's biochemistry, uh, there's basic chemistry, and as you said, uh, th- it starts in the vineyard. Right. So I've had people um, ask me, well, geez, if this is a world-class wine region, how come we haven't heard that You know, back in the 50s and 60s? And uh, I said, you know, it's, it's a good question. But the reason is there's a lot of mistakes that can be made. First Definitely. is finding the right varieties for the region that can right. overwinter and produce good fruit here. And there's a lot of mistakes that can be made in the vineyard from overcropping and not spraying properly, not managing the vine canopies properly. Uh, harvesting at the wrong time, um, too early, or, or letting fruit get rot in it. Uh, and then, assuming you get through all that and have the right balance in the vineyard and, and the right variety, then the challenge of winemaking uh, comes in. And there are uh, a number of challenges. We're working with a, a microorganism, yeast, right. to convert the sugar to alcohol. And uh, there, the yeast can be fickle. And if you don't treat them right, um, they won't treat you right. <laughs> exactly. And that is the thing, especially here in southwest Michigan, uh, even what we're experiencing this year, is that winter is very unpredictable. So how is that affecting um, some of the grapes that maybe you have on the vines already this year to you know the wines that you may be putting together for years to come? Well, so, yeah, the vine's a perennial plant. Uh, right. It lives many years, and so always in, in any particular growing season, 
the groundwork is already being laid for the next season. So the buds that are going to grow in 20 and 17 actually initiated in June of 20 and 16. Wow. And so um, now we have to get them through the winter. Uh, if it gets too cold, if we get below about minus 5 uh, Fahrenheit, then we start seeing bud damage in the vineyard. If it gets below about minus 10, we start seeing cane and, and trunk damage. And if it gets below about minus 12, um, then we've got vine loss like we had in 2014 and 2015. So in a winter like this, um, this isn't a bad winter. It hasn't been super cold yet. Uh, fortunately, when the polar vortex hit in uh, December, right. um, I have friends. I grew up in South Bend area, and I have friends who said it got down to 17 below in South Bend. Oh, but my. Here, here we got down to about 7 above and had lots of lake effect snow. So... That's what this lake does for us. It, it protects us uh, as long as the polar vortex doesn't come around the south end of the lake. So we haven't had any killing temperatures so far. With the kind of weather we've had now with these 40s and 50s, uh, plants start to slowly uh, start thinking it's springtime. And it's not a problem yet. Uh, it's supposed to get cold again, and as long right. as temperatures are sub-freezing, um, things stay dormant. But the more time we spend above freezing, uh, the more those plants start to come out of their dormancy and get ready for spring. And that's when we set the stage for 20 and 12. Right. Um, plants start growing in March and then get frosted in April. Now, what would you say are your uh, most uh, best-growing wine grapes, I guess, in this area for you guys? So the best-growing wine grapes, uh, we've found, uh, you know, Vitus vinifera are the traditional European grapes, and they make the classic wines and arguably uh, some of the finest wines in the world. And we find that things like Riesling, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, um, Cabernet Franc, um, Merlot, those, those do really well. Um, there are some others that we grow that are, that are fairly cold tender. Um, so those do really well. And then we've got what are called uh, resistant hybrids, and those are crosses between the Vitus vinifera, the European grapes, and American grapes. They're more cold-hardy. They're mm -hmm. called resistant because they're more cold-resistant, and they're also more disease-resistant. So things like Traminet, Vidal Blanc that we use in our ice wine, Sabal Blanc, uh, Chambersin that we use in our Dune Shadow, um, these are the hybrids. And they made crops in 2014 and 2015 when the vinifera didn't. Okay. So, so we need the mix, but uh, the vinifera certainly makes some, some world-class wines here. Man, I'm learning so much. It's like a science class. Um, but you mentioned ice wine. Uh, wh what exactly is, is ice wine, and what is, how does that process different than the typical wine that you're making? So ice wine, the TTB is the federal agency that regulates wine yeah. and, and alcohol. Um, and so they have a rule that if you put ice wine on the label of the wine, the fruit has to be harvested while it's frozen and then pressed while it's frozen. So the okay. temperature that it's harvested at determines the concentration of the juice off the press. So if you harvest right at 32 degrees, right at the freezing point, it's not going to be very concentrated. So we pick between 18 and 20 degrees Fahrenheit, and at that temperature, the juice off the press is about 40% sugar and very concentrated, very hard to ferment, but it makes this wonderful dessert wine, and you can only do it in a cold climate like we have here in Michigan, where we get four distinct seasons. Wow. You won't see ice wine from California. Right. So um, now we're in your tasting room here in St. Joe, and, you know, when you talk about the wineries, sometimes you know where the vineyards and things are, but i, I got to be honest with you. I don't know where White Pine wineries, where your, where your grapes are coming from. Where are they? Well, it's not obvious from looking at the taste right, room here, sure. is it? Um, but it, what I do is I always have a map behind the bar to show folks. Okay. Our, our vineyard is out near Lawton, okay. which is ex, exit 60 off of I-94. Yeah. Um, 
being having been the winemaker at St. Julian, I moved to the area to work there, and so I bought uh, a farm um, out in grape country south of Lawton. Uh, we have 40 acres out there, and I grow Riesling and Cabernet Franc. Uh, and in fact, uh, I'm going to my township here soon to ask for permission to put a tasting room out there on that property. Wonderful. Um, so that people can come out and visit the vineyard. It's just been a process. Um, there's only So this is the only tasting room as far as for White Pine Winery, but you want your wine, grapes, and all that in your vineyard is in Lawton. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and so when I first started the business, I was still working at St. Julian, right. and we had a non-compete. And uh, we always loved St. Joe anyway. Uh, we always brought our daughter down here for the festivals and just really enjoyed the beach and, and just the, the vibe down here. So uh, when we were looking for a place to put a tasting room, yeah. this was uh, where we came first. And it was just uh, it was a no-brainer for us. Um, we found a spot right here in downtown, um, started this tasting room. We were welcomed by the community. Yeah. And uh, we've just loved being here ever since. Um, the tasting room that we're talking about on our farm, um, it's 35 miles east. Okay. So it's really a different area over there. Yeah. Um, kind of Sonoma to Napa, if you will. Uh, a little bit closer to the Kalamazoo area. So we think uh, tap into a different crowd. And it's going to be a couple of years before that actually comes to pass. But we're just starting the um, the legal work now. That's very exciting stuff. And i got to tell you, you know, I, from YNL, from everybody here in southwest Michigan, we love our wine. Honestly, and it's a, like you said, it's a great place to grow wine grapes. How many different wines do you have for White Pine Winery? Right now we have 13 wines, and uh, this last fall we just started uh, producing wines in our own facility. Um, I've been producing them um, at another facility since we opened because we didn't have the money to buy all the equipment and everything. So I'm adding a couple more, so I'll have 15. I'm, I'm adding a blush. Uh, this spring, and then we've got a, a fortified port-style wine that we'll be adding uh, later in the summer. But So we'll have 15 wines. My, my goal is to not expand the list too much, yeah. but to really focus on those things that do well. So the varieties that do well here are, are what we would call cool climate varieties. Right. Uh, as far as wine-growing regions in the world go, um, they're rated in five temperature zones. Mm-hmm. Cool is zone one, like Champagne in France. Um, Traverse City is a zone one. Um, you go north of there, you can't ripen grapes. Um, we're a zone two down here. So we're at the very cool end of the spectrum, like some parts of Germany, some parts of France. Um, most of California is zone three, four, and five. Very warm, very dry. So very, we're very different than them. Um, but our wines show uh, classic cool climate character. Uh, great acidity, great aromatics in the whites, and the reds tend to be... Uh, 12, 13% alcohol, not the 14, 15% you might see from California, but still lots of fruit, very, very luscious, uh, great food wines. Um, and, and so that's, that's our goal is to focus on just a few things that really show the area. That's a wonderful thing. And now when people walk into this uh, beautiful tasting room, what are they going to experience? Are they able to uh, pair those wines with any food or anything like that that you have here? We don't have food. Um, the tasting room is only about 500 square feet, yeah. so it's a very small space. Um, there's really no room to do food, and um, I, I don't know anything about running a restaurant. Sure. And so uh, <laughs> Dirty Harry once said, a good man knows his limitations, <laughs> and I, I trust Dirty Harry. Yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood's a, a good man. So um, I, we don't do food. We do have some cheese that's, pre, that's prepared that mm-hmm. we, we sell and some crackers and things like that. Um, but what we try to offer is, is a wonderful tasting experience. Um, we, I, I've always prided myself on the education part of it because I feel like uh, people don't really know about Michigan and why this is such right. a great area. And so we make sure our staff understands uh, how the climate influences the wine style and quality that we have. And 
we have a lot of great feedback on, on Yelp and various social yeah. media uh, of the experience that folks have when they come in, uh, as opposed to somebody that just says, well, you know, try, try wine A, B, or right, C. Right, exactly. Um, and so that's, that's a big part of what we try to do. Uh, and then we also uh, have a number of folks here that uh, work here that live in the community and have been part of the community for a long time that, that know all the restaurants and all the cool beaches to go to and, and where the hiking trails are mm-hmm. and, and, and try to, uh, as we have guests come into the area or into the taste room, um, they want to know where, where is a good place to camp or exactly. where is a good place for dinner or, or whatever, uh, we try to help them with, uh, enhance their experience here. Well, you're definitely highlighting the state of Michigan with your name alone, with white pine being, you know, the uh, state tree. Um, can I try some of your wine? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for recognizing that uh, white pine is a state tree. We named our winery white pine for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to highlight the fact that we were all about Michigan. Right. And what better way to do it than with the, the state tree as our, our winery's name. And it also makes for kind of a cool logo. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, what wine am I uh, about to have right here? So what I just poured for you is the Pinot Grigio. Um, A lot of people come in, and and they know Chardonnay. They know the name Chardonnay. Chardonnay actually does quite well in Michigan. But I decided to not start out with a Chardonnay because there's so much of it in the world. If you go to Myers or Martins or or any place, they've got a wall of Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. Um, There's not as much Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio is a little bit more finicky as a grape. Um, and, and it really shows its best when it's done in a cool climate like here. So I uh, had tasted Pinot Grigios. I've judged in a number of competitions, and ours stands shoulder to shoulder with, with the classic Pinot Grigios from Friuli, yeah. uh, northern Italy. Um, and uh, the other ones that I've had that I think are, are equal to ours are from British Columbia, another very cool area, upstate New York. Um, Finger Lakes, but uh, most of the examples from uh, warmer climates, um, they just don't have the complexity or the depth that we have here. I got to tell you, that's delicious. Thank that you. Pinot Grigio, that is that is absolutely delicious. Uh, so, when did you harvest grapes for this this wine? Typically, um, I can't tell you the exact date on that one, but uh, typically we harvest Pinot Grigio uh, the last week of September. Okay. Um, so you know it it can vary as by as much as two weeks depending on the season with a 20 and 12 being very early and a 20 and 13 being very late. Um, but figure around uh, the, the uh, fall equinox, uh, September okay. 21st. That's a good average. And you've got wines for just about any type of palate. Somebody likes a dry white or a, maybe a dry red or a sweet red or sweet white and everything in between. Yeah, and so my, my goal here was to um, focus on a more classic style wine, yeah. which is drier. Um, but given the acidity that we have in these naturally, uh, they can carry some sweetness and still be balanced. So my Riesling is like a German Cabernet style. We would call it medium dry. And if you'd like, I'll pour you a little sample of that. Yeah, why not? Just a little bit. I don't want to... They're half-ounce pours, so <laughs> I'm, I'm being nice. <laughs> um, so this is grown on our property out by Lawton, and we stop the fermentation. So by stopping the fermentation and not letting all the sugar convert to alcohol, it's only 10% alcohol. Yeah. It's a classic German style. It makes it very light. Uh, the sweetness that's in there is natural grape sugar. There's none added. Um, and, and this is another one that is uh, just, you know, it's just a classic Riesling mm-hmm. in this cool climate. So... Uh, as far as sweeter wines, I go as high. This one's about uh, uh, one percent and a half, percent and three quarters yeah. of sugar. Um, I have one on the list that goes to three and a half percent, 
and that's as sweet as I go. Um, yeah. Over that, I feel like they get out of balance unless mm-hmm. they're a dessert wine. Sure. So um, the wines definitely tend towards the drier side. We do have some sweetness in some of them, but uh, overall, um, the lion's share of the wines are dry. Well, I wish I could stay here for the entire day and try every single wine that you have here, but I'll just have to come back another time. There you go. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Well, my pleasure. Thanks it for having me. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Meet the Makers is brought to you by the Makers Trail. You can follow Makers Trail at makerstrail.org. Taste their art along the trail and bring home your favorites, just like right here at White Pine Winery. And please remember to travel safely. <laughs>